This is Admissions Live. I'm your host, Nicole Lentini, and on today's live broadcast, we're speaking about communications and support in the first six weeks of the school year, as well as the rest of the year, and how admissions can be a better partner in the communication handoff and as supportive members of our community to all of our constituents. I'm excited, excited to speak with Cindy Hill, Director of the Parent, uh, Penn State Parents Program, and Brian Watkins, Director of Parent and Family Affairs at the University of Maryland, about this topic today. But first, let's give a shout out to the sponsors that make today's broadcast possible. Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed, Live, Higher Ed Live Network, offering viewers direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Live webcasts allow viewers to share knowledge and participate in discussions around the most popular, uh, most important issues, excuse me, in the industry. Today's live viewing experience is powered by Maestro, the platform, all available in the and in podcast form on iTunes. Today's episode is made possible by Chegg Enrollment Services. Chegg is the leading student marketing firm focused on helping institutions save time, save money, and recruit smarter. Leveraging a multi-channel approach that includes digital search sites, social media marketing, and direct-to-student messaging, Chegg's Enrollment Services can help you accelerate response time while capturing real-time student interest. Visit http.com chegg.edu.com slash insights to learn more about Chegg's most recent student research and recorded professional development webinars. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with institution, uh, education institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and more. M. Stoner is offering a free webinar on analytics for digital storytelling on September 28th. Analytics provide us with vital information to track and measure audience behavior so we can extend the reach and impact of our storytelling efforts across all our communication channels. What do you measure and how do you use that data to refine your story? Join M. Sterner for this webinar to get your analytic registration is free and we're tweeting out a link shortly where you can sign up. Without further ado, I want to introduce my fabulous panelists today. So um, I don't know if, uh, let's go with Cindy first. You want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your, um, your background in education and in this particular area. Okay, uh, so hello everyone. Um, I'm Cindy Hill and I'm the director um, of the Penn State Parents Program at Penn State. Um, I've only been in this position about 15 months, but I come to it via um, new student orientation and welcome week programming, so the student side of programming. Um, so I've had a lot of interaction with parents and families through, through my um, work with orientation. Um, I've also worked at Texas A&M University and some private sector work um, in development. And I'm also a Penn State parent, which really gives me a lot of experience because I, uh, I consider my kids my personal case studies when it comes to um, <laughs> figuring out how, how to answer some of the questions sometimes. I love it. Who better to speak to that than somebody going through that themselves, right? <laughs> That's wonderful. All right, how about you, Brian? Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Watkins. I'm the Director of Parent and Family Affairs at the University of Maryland. Um, I've been here since um, 2005. Uh, time does pass quickly. Um, and uh, prior to uh, being here at Maryland, I was at uh, DePaul University uh, working in academic enhancement um, as the director of the orientation programs. So um, had lots of connections doing that um, with new students, but um, especially with their parents and family members and helping them with their transition to the institution. Um, and before working at DePaul, I worked in campus activities, but also um, touched orientation in that role. Uh, and so um, I think there's always been this uh, arc or trajectory for me of, of working with parents in some capacity. And so uh, I just have a really great opportunity to do that every day um, and really love my job. It's, it's filled with all kinds of of wonderful challenges, as, as Cindy knows. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. So I, I'm really excited to talk about this topic because it's actually a topic that's come up recently, even in my own office, of kind of how do we how do we do this handoff better? You know, this is such a busy, stressful time for everyone. And it really, I think, drives the point home of the importance of communicating as kind of a larger institution and making sure we're all on message with each other. So, you know, 
let's start big picture. You know, why is this relationship so vitally important with parents and families and making sure we're cultivating this from the start? Let's jump in first. Oh, I will, I guess. Um, it, it's interesting um, that the timing of this this podcast is interesting because we have just started um, a collaborative relationship with our admissions office to talk about this very thing and sort of that handoff from the admissions process to orientation and then to full matriculation of the student and how we maintain the messaging so parents are comfortable in the decision that their students have made right because we're still sort of I don't want to say recruiting students as they go through that process, but we need to reassure and, and educate the expectations from the, from the get-go, from the beginning, all the way through. So I, I truly believe we all need to be um, using the same messages, um, and we're working on that here. We're a very, very large institution, and um, trying to get common messaging sometimes can be a challenge. Yeah, and, and, and certainly I, I think everyone and admissions understands the critical role that parents and families play in in the decision. And so um, I, I think we need to understand that that doesn't just end once that admissions decision has been made and the students have gone through orientation and now they're fully matriculated. Um, that relationship continues. And so um, parents and family members play a really essential role in supporting students and contributing to student success. Um, and, and there's a, a critical role they play with, um, with uh, retention. Um, and there are so many other ways that, uh, that I think the institution can rely on parents and family members to, to help us um, with the kinds of messages. Excuse me, I didn't mute my phone. Uh, with the <laughs> it's a parent reaching out right exactly. now. Yeah, go. Um, the, the, with the kinds of messages that we're delivering uh, to students, I think um, parents and families can also be really helpful with that as well, and, and kind of uh, reinforcing the messages that we're trying to send. I love that idea, and it's I, I saw that you know in in our prepping for this conversation. Yeah, you're really you're rallying around. Um, sense of community, I think, from a really early start, which I think is really nice, and the idea of kind of pulling in others who have been in part of this process before. So um, do you find that before orientation, you're kind of doing a lot of outreach, like, hey, you've been through this before, can you can you be part of this process with their new families? You know, what? how do you kind of start to be proactive as you know that you're reaching these sort of big transition points? So, um, we, so there is some... From I just I'll speak from experience on our campus. Yeah. There are some touch points that we do um, parent to parent um, or family to family. Um, during orientation, there are opportunities for, for us to ask some uh, current parents of current students to come back and talk to and interact with the parents of our new students. Um, but I, I think uh, Cindy and I were talking earlier, um, I think we all have, have even higher goals of, of once a student is admitted um, to being able to reach out to families and say, welcome to the institution. Um, here are all these great resources for your students, but we also have some resources that we want you to know about um, because they relate specifically to you and, and the role that you play. Do you have anything to add to that, Cindy, as far as kind of starting that, that outreach and kind of that conversation? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think Brian said it really nicely. Um, you know, we yeah. reach out to, to families right before orientation. I'd like to be doing it sooner because I think that it's reassuring for parents. You know, your student accepts the offer of admittance. When you, when you think about the life cycle of a student, if you can match your family um, connections with the life cycle of the student, then I think we're doing a better job of meeting the needs of our families. And, you know, reaching out in, in, immediately with that message that says, you know, your student just accepted the offer to Penn State, welcome to the family. And, and here's, what, here's what you can expect as a member of our community, right? We're going to support you and your student. And by supporting you, we're going to help you then support your student. So I, I think sending those messages from the very beginning um, helps parents um, it, it engage, become a part of the community, but also 
understand some of the expectations they, that we have of them as their student is going through this transition. That's a really important point to drive home. It is. It's a two. It's a two-way relationship, right? You know, it's not only going to be on your end. You're also telling the families, like, here's what to expect, but here's things that we hope that that we expect you to do as part of this relationship and as part of this community. Right. Right. Love that. Um, and what kinds of outreach do you do? I mean, I know there was conversation around. In, uh, east, uh, in newsletters and uh, booklets and, you know, um, where, I guess, like, where where do you kind of pick up with that communication from admissions typically? Do you see it kind of happening earlier in the summertime or even earlier than that? Do you see it at Admitted Students Day? Where do you kind of find that you your relationships with them start to really kick into high gear and you start that early transition process? Oh, I'll start with Cindy first, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we have some role with uh, our accepted students programs. I sit on a panel um, to talk to parents, but I, it, I don't feel that's where my office begins the relationship with the parents. My, my office begins a relationship with the parents um, prior to orientation when we send a welcome email that says, you know, your student has accepted their offer, they're attending orientation, and here's some things that, that, that you need to know. Your student has received this email, this is what's going to happen, this is what you can expect. So that's really the beginning of the relationship and that's when parents start to identify offices like ours as a, as a potential resource for them. Excellent. Does it look about the same for you, Brian? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, you know, we, we don't actually reach out to parents before orientation, so the handoff for us really is, is at orientation. Um, and I have an opportunity to, to speak with parents um, at orientation, and then we will continue that um, pretty significantly following orientation uh, as, you know, with a, I think our first newsletter comes out mid-August mid, mid before move-in um, so that we can start developing that relationship with families um, and deliver the information that they need when they need it. Um, and, and I think that's a really important part of the, communication tool and some of the of what Cindy was talking about is um, making sure that we're we're developing that relationship um, and connecting with with families in a meaningful way at the right time mm -hmm. uh, and, and so as we're developing our communication whether that starts before orientation uh, you know and, and then continues throughout their time with the institution um, you know, we develop our, the topics for the newsletters based on what's happening in students' lives at that time. And, um, you know, and, and especially the first six weeks, which is one of the, the things, the highlights of, of this session, of the importance of, uh, it's such a critical time in the transition. And so what, what information can we share that's really going to help and support uh, the student and their family during that really critical time? Definitely. I, I'm just thinking of all the, the excited and scared faces I saw at orientation and kind of that struggle between those two emotions is pretty transparent on a lot of people's faces. And um, so I love that you're so intentional about the information you're giving and, and hopefully, ideally, it sounds like giving it before it needs to be asked, you know, being able to address those questions before it gets to a point where um, the demand is so high for it that you can kind of anticipate that. So what are some of the big topics that you tend to see year after year that are really going to be the most important that you're identifying in these first few weeks? Well, I, I think there's two things um, that I like to look at. It's sort of the practical topics, right? When do I move my student in? Do they need bed risers? You, you know, the, the sort of the basic, do they bring their, you know, some of those kinds of things. Um, and then there's the emotional part, and I don't know how if Brian experiences this, but sometimes I, I feel like our office borderline has just little mini therapy sessions with our parents, right? It's okay to feel that way. Yes, I know. It's difficult. You know, your child is sick. No, you don't need to hop in the car and drive up here. Um, you know, so being able to, I think sometimes when you're on the phone with a parent, you can sort of actually sense their level of stress go down with that conversation and um, I think if we can help parents reduce their level of stress then the stress that their students are feeling which we all know they are at least the students aren't having to deal with parent and family stress and the parents you know sort of escalating it even worse 
So we do we do a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with parents to try and help with that. Wonderful. I know that I've been the, the recipient sometimes of those initial calls being in admissions because I'm not person they initially made that relationship with. So I'm so grateful that um, roles like yours exist that are there that we can kind of say, you know what, they're here to help. They can help talk you through this. They understand this transition that you're going through. Um, so I'm grateful that you're doing that kind of work. Well, and I, and I also want to want to acknowledge that not not all institutions have people like Cindy and me uh, on your campuses, and so I, I think it's really important for for you to take a look at who who else on your campus is there to support you. Um, I think it's wonderful that a parent or a family member might reach out to uh, someone in admissions because that relationship is already there. Um, but there are all kinds of terrific people on your campuses who you can develop that a, a good working relationship with as someone who can then be your, what we like to call your handoff. Um, so who, who then after admissions is the next great home for our parents and family members. Um, and, and certainly every campus has someone who can offer that kind of support. Um, and so it might not be a specific office, but um, it could be a dean of students or um, a member of the resident life staff. Right. I like what you said about handoffs. Um, we talk about things around here. We call it the warm handshake. So it's not just a handoff. Is it much? Is it is you know we're not just handing them off. We are. Um, placing them in the care of the next person who knows how to deal with the situation. But we're providing some backstory, we're providing, however that happens, it's a warm handoff, right? Um, it's not just, I'll transfer you, click, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, thank you for that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also know really, really good point, especially when a student is, a school's can, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to ask Brian, um, and I've lost my train of thought a little bit, but um, I'm sure you get those phone calls as well that somebody, they don't know who else to call, so they just transfer everyone to the parent's office. Right, right. Um, so. And, and often by the time they get to us, they, we're, we're like the fifth person that they've been transferred to, and so yeah. their level of frustration is way up, way up high. <laughs> right, right. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I think I think your your frustration increases exponentially, which with each transfer that you go through in the phone system. Yeah, um, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, Cindy. I was just going to jump in just to say, you know, I know that we're an institution ourselves that um, part of the human touch is part of our you know our mission and our um, kind of overall kind of institutional. Um, aesthetic, you know, if you will. And so having people like yourselves and having that, I love that idea of a warm handshake of not just saying, oh, here, you know, I'll, I'll patch you off to this office, but actually, you know, even taking the extra time to, if I'm transferring somebody over to you, I'm also going to, you know, Cindy, if I'm making a call to you saying, here is the story of this family. These are the conversations that we've had. This is kind of where they're at in the process. I think they're anxious about X, Y, and Z. It makes such a difference. So that one, they don't have to repeat their story all over to you again. And two, you know, you're already feeling prepared to be able to deal with that conversation. And that goes a long way. Right. Yeah. And I also think that um, there's some responsibility in offices like ours, or, or offices, universities that don't have offices like ours, that um, to help communicate to, to, our, to our colleagues and our partners how to best deal with parents and families. Because maybe they don't know. You know, it's not something they work with all the time. When they get a hold of the academic advising department, you know, there's frustration on the advisor's part, right, because they don't want to be dealing with the parents. But maybe if the academic advisor had some tools in their toolbox that they would be able to better deal um, with that situation and, and hand that parent off to the right person. That's an excellent point. I think we could all benefit off of that. Um, and even just from my own experiences in admissions, I think having better tools in my toolbox to know how to be the best support I can. You know, I'm, I'm not a parent myself. I haven't gone through this experience. I've watched the emotions that happen at orientation, but I haven't actually experienced those myself. So um, I think that's incredibly beneficial for a lot of us out there that are having this interaction with families. I mean, off the top, do you, are there anything, you know, maybe I'll start with you, Brian. I feel like I've made you 
you talk a lot, Cindy, in the last few minutes, but, um, you know, any kind of big things that, uh, that you feel any, any admissions counselor, or anybody else may be watching this broadcast today could benefit off of things to keep in mind when they're working through this transition with, with, uh, families and with parents. Well, you know, I think that the, uh, I'm sure Cindy would, would back this up because we, we hear it all the time. I mean, the number one concern of a, of a parent or family member is the safety and security of their student. Uh, and so whatever we can do to help um, to alleviate some of that concern, um, and that's not just directly related to their their literal safety of, of being free from violence, but um, also just knowing that they're in a good place, a, a place where there are people there who care about them, their student, um, and that there are resources available to assist their student if, help, if and when help is needed. Um, and so I think that that's a really, um, you know, as we look at Maslow's hierarchy, um, the second level up on the pyramid is security, and I often talk about how I, I think what the communication that we deliver with parents and families and the relationships that we develop with them helps to meet that, that need um, and that level of, of in the hierarchy. Um, and so I think that's another uh, really important thing to keep in mind um, regarding that issue. Yeah, and I think that if admissions officers could speak on that behalf, on, on those kinds of topics, Brian, that they would make, I, I think that would really um, in, instill confidence in parents, right? So you're not just selling the school spirit and the pride and the academic program, but you're selling the fact that you're, you're sending your child to this place that's going to be a really good place for them to be, both safety, you know, um, mental health, physical health. And all of those things, and I think that's a great message for admissions officers um, to to be sharing. Absolutely, and and to know, I think you know that loops back to your suggestion of make sure you know who these people are on campus that you know that students need to talk with for their different needs, and just know who your resources are on campus because. Um, relationship with those people on campus shows that it's that kind of community that you can meet those kind of needs in wellness and in safety and um, whatever else might be a concern especially in those in that first year but you know through all four years that um, that you have that close relationship that you can say oh yeah we can meet that need here's the person that you need to talk to and addressing those concerns early on right yeah it's important for all of us to have our own toolbox to reach into and oftentimes that's other people who, who can help us. Um, you know, I, often, often our, our initial reaction when a parent is, or a family member is on the other end of the phone is, uh, yuck, or, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do right now. I'm not used to talking to parents <laughs> or having to deal with these kinds of issues. And so um, knowing that you don't have to be the solution, you don't have to solve the problem, um, mm -hmm. but really knowing who could be helpful to you um, as a professional and help support the person that's on the other end of this phone. Um, I know that, in, in, you know, when Cindy and I talk to parents uh, and family members, sometimes all they need is an ear to mm -hmm. listen. Uh, and I will say to a, a person that I'm talking to, you know, I don't feel like I've been very helpful to you today. Um, and they'll say, oh, but you have. I just needed someone to listen. Because mm -hmm. I, I know that I, I can't fix everything. I can't solve all of the problems. Um, but but that's really sometimes all they need is someone to listen. That's a, it's so true. And I've, I think admission counselors could benefit from that lesson anyways, just in um, speaking with students and families, even at the beginning of the process, because um, I know, oh my gosh, I can't even count how many times I've had the conversation with that first time. Um, I'm having a, a college-bound student parent, you know, talking about like, I just have no idea how to navigate this process. And I just say, it's okay. That's what I'm here for. Every time you have this moment of panic and you have all these questions and you don't know who to go to, guess what? You can call me and I will help you and I will walk you through this. And it's true. You can almost, you can just feel the relief through the phone of like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, and it's, and just even being able to say it's okay. That's my role is to help you through this. I think can be 
huge. And I think that's an important thing for anybody watching this and especially um, new admission counselors, you know, to, to know that what you said, I want to drill home the point that it's okay if you don't know the answer. It's okay if you can't solve this, uh, solve the problem, um, as long as you kind of are aware of the resources you have available to you to be able to help that family. And I think that's true at the beginning and the end of our time with them as we hand them off to whoever might be that next person. Right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely true. Um, I do realize I didn't put in a plug for our hashtag, so I want to pause the conversation here for a minute um, to make sure any viewers, if you do have any questions for Brian and Cindy, uh, make sure you use the hashtag Higher Ed Live. Uh, and I am keeping an eye on TweetDeck, and we'll make sure to ask your questions as I see them. Um, but I, I, I do, Cindy. I have to ask you. You share this idea of the the oh shoot week oh. and I just would love to hear more about that I just love that idea and I think I've seen that in all the student spaces but maybe if you can talk a little bit to kind of how you and your office deals with that, that kind of moment in that student's first few weeks uh, so students use different language than I use just so I'll preface the conversation <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's in quotes yes uh, you know when we talk to parents at orientation we we try and hit the topics that they're interested in, and we also try and get, give them an idea of what the life cycle is going to look like for their students. So, so, and, and it's pretty much the same, right? So we know that the, I always say that when a student starts at Penn State the first day, everything is wonderful, right? Everything's great. My roommate's great. The library's great. I love that walk across campus because it's such a beautiful campus. And um, I always say Penn State has that new car smell and there's just nothing you can do to get rid of like that new car smell and um, and then about three weeks into the semester that's oh shoot week right and it's like oh shoot they were serious at orientation right they were serious about time management they were serious about making that roommate agreement like the new car smell is now worn off and oh shoot they were serious and I didn't pay enough attention at a new student orientation and so we talk to parents about so that's a bump in the road right and so we talk to parents about how you help your student learn to make decisions and learn to be autonomous and and increase their confidence in making decisions when they hit oh shoot week or whatever other bump that might hit in the road right and that's and so that sort of illustrates to parents that they need to shift their roles into that sideline coach that says, oh, you know, I remember them talking about that resource at orientation. Maybe you should stop by their office. Um, so that's, that's how I use Oh Shoot Week. But yeah, it's about, it's about right now <laughs> for us. <laughs> Yeah, right, right around this time of year, yeah, <laughs> this, this lovely middle of September week where little, a few weeks, and actually it's what, it's third week, exact timeline that this is starting to happen. Yes. <laughs> feel like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like this is the week typically as I'm like planning to get on the road for travel that I start to hear from these parents that I just saw a few weeks ago at orientation. So, um, I think it's, a, it's good for any of us, whether we have, whether we're lucky enough to have an office like either of yours or, um, knowing where resources are, if we don't to be ready for it right around this time of school year is a really good point to make. That's excellent. Um, I'm curious, I, I didn't prep you with this question ahead of time, but I'm curious how maybe, I know that Cindy, you said you're fairly new to this role, but how um, seeing this communication change over the last few years um, in any space within this role, you know, what, um, what new topics maybe you find that you're covering and things that you feel like you don't have to address so much. Um, maybe Brian, if you wanna speak to that yeah. first, yeah. Sure, sure. I, you know, um, I think this is on my mind because we've had so many calls lately, but uh, I think student mental health um, is really not, it's always been important, but it's not necessarily been something we've focused on um, in a proactive manner um, in years past. Um, and I think over the past, I would say two to three years in particular, um, we've seen a lot more um, students presenting with mental health issues um, um, and, and a lot of it is depression related and so um, and, and I, we've had at least one call a day 
um, over the past few days of working with families who are recognizing that in their students and, and wanting to um, guide their student in the, in the right way through what they're experiencing. And so I, I think we've, we've certainly started to do more in a proactive way of, of educating parents about kind of what to look for. Um, and, and when you see this, how, how, how you can help them and what is available on our campus. So that, that's one thing that comes to mind, um, probably because we're, I'm just in the thick of it right now. Um, there are certainly other topics, uh, but that's, that's one that's um, really important. Well, and I, I can't think of a topic right now, but trends, um, what I have noticed in the you know, 15 months I've been in the office is um, the increased engagement that we're having with parents. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I look at our phone records and do an analysis of our phone volume, I mean, we're having significant increase in, in phone calls in our office and um, and when I say significant we had an 86 percent increase in phone volume in the month of August Now, there's lots of reasons for that wow. yeah <laughs> lots of reasons for that we have a very large class <laughs> we have a very large class um, we have a lot of changes we have a new student information system that we all just love and um, and then increased visibility to the office as well so I think that parents are increasingly more comfortable in reaching out and asking those questions so that's a, that's a trend I think I'm noticing. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and that's helpful too, just to know both from, from kind of the features, um, kind of the questions that are getting asked, and just to stay on top of that, I think is so valuable. And um, I'm curious to see too how maybe your communication methods themselves change. You know, we talked about um, e-newsletters e and uh, phone calls, and emails and things like that. But I know that as we were preparing to do the broadcast today, you, you even mentioned, Cindy, like, oh, you know, maybe Google Hangouts could be um, something that we use down the road with our families. So um, I'm, I'm intrigued. Maybe we'll check back a little bit down the road just to see how things change there, too. Um, I think it's all about just making sure you meet them where they are is going to be the biggest kind of focus, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, and parents are certainly more tech savvy than they were years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, certainly, when I started at Maryland, I know that we we were we had done uh, still some uh, paper newsletters and discovered that that just really wasn't the most effective way to reach families now. Uh, and so that's when we went to our, an electronic. Uh, email format for those an HTML based newsletter, um, but but even now um, you know we're seeing uh, some more active presence on social media from families and and being able to utilize our 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 Facebook and and Twitter accounts in a in a really helpful way um, and another way to engage parents and families and so it'll it'll be interesting to see where the next five to ten years take us with. With technology and, and uh, I think uh, parent and family, their their comfort level with that. Um, but I think that there's a cautionary tale here too in that um, I think we rely on those pieces, but it doesn't mean we reach everyone using those methods. And I think that's the real challenge. I know for me personally and the work that we're doing here, of of I know that we're missing a constituency of of folks. Uh, and so we're going to just start looking harder at, at um, who are we missing, why are we missing them, and how, how can we be better about making sure that those families have the information that they need. Right. Oh, so important is that idea of access. And yeah, just because you see a lot of people on Twitter or on Facebook does not mean they're all there. Right, so, right. so true. And actually, in speaking of accent, access, you're making me also think of um, inclusivity as well. And I thought um, you've driven a good point home in using the term families and really being uh, cognizant of the fact that, you know, not, not every single person you're going to be interacting with is of that sort of, you know, I don't, I don't even want to use the word typical, you know, but it's every environment, no matter what. And, and so being very careful with um, the way that you're making sure you use inclusive language for all and making that very intentional is so important and something I want to highlight as well. Yeah. Yes, that is very important. And we, we, we knew it was a good thing. Um, I, and I think this year, this past summer in particular, we were very intentional both 
the orientation office, which is a completely different office than, than my office, but we worked together to make sure that we were using very inclusive language throughout orientation programs um, so that every member of the family felt welcomed um, and recognizing, like you said, Nicole, that not all of our students have a parent. Right. Um, and so there are other, other family members who are here supporting them. Um, and if, even if they do have parents, their parents might not be able to come and take that time off of work. And so it might be an older sibling or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent who's here providing that support. Um, and so we, we and, and just in doing that in the language that we use, after almost every orientation session, I had a family member come up to me afterwards and say thank you um, for sending that message because it spoke to them. Um, so I, it, we know that we're doing the right thing when, when, when those um, conversations happen. So true. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I'm glad, I'm glad that you intentionality behind that and, and making sure all families um, of all strokes feel welcome at that event. That's so, so important. Um, I see that we got a question, actually two questions. So I'm going to start with Ashley's. Um, do either or both of you connect parents with local alumni? Uh, and if so, what are parents looking for out of those connections? Yes, we do. Um, our alumni association actually um, coordinates student send-off events. And so that is our families, uh, really their first contact with our alumni and um, an opportunity for them to connect with, with alums. They could be included on listservs. You don't have to be a graduate to be involved in the alumni um, events to do that. Um, we have to be pretty diligent on the back end with our relationship with the Alumni Association so our communication is really good or else things fall through the crack pretty easily. Um, but we also have parent volunteers that, that are a part of my office that also attend these events. So to try and make things a little bit um, seamless between the two programs. We have, we have some connection as well, um, both through the, some recruitment events with alumni and parents that open up their homes to students um, during the recruitment process. And then um, several of our regional alumni clubs, uh, when they host events, they invite parents of current students who live in the area. But we're um, starting to do more and more of that because I, what, what we've heard parents say is, I can't get to campus, but I'd really love uh, University of Maryland connection in my hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you know, tried to facilitate that a little bit more um, through some of the summer send-off programs and recruiting volunteer, parent volunteers to host those. Um, but also just, you know, creating those connections for families um, so that when we do have a University of Maryland hosted event in their hometown that we make sure that we invite not just alumni but also our, our families. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really great point. I like that, that, yeah, not just alums, but anybody who comes back around to, you know, you're part of that larger um, institution's community uh, and making that relationship of somebody that you know you could get coffee with or have just down the road to be able to um, talk about concerns and questions or just kind of, you know, talk about what's happening at the institution. That's such a great connection to have nearby. Um, thank you for that. And then Greg asked, why is it important to you as professionals to have an office like yours on campus? Um, let's go back to you first, Cindy. So why is it important to me or to higher ed in general? Let's, I mean, both, <laughs> but I think let's talk higher ed in general. <laughs> okay, let's go in general. Um, you know, I, I think it's important as, as families change and relationships change and technology changes with keep, which keeps our students and our families connected um, more frequently and for a longer period of time, I think that um, we're, we're a true benefit to the university because we provide a place for parents and for families. Like this is, this is your place. I'll tell, I'll tell um, families at orientation. Your students have faculty, they have academic advisors, they have RAs, they have orientation letters, or leaders, and you have me, right? So it's the landing place. It's a place for them to come um, and start solving whatever issue they have. So I think it's really important at directing 
the parent communication and energy toward one place in the institution. And then we sort of triage the situation and then can filter it out, you know, as needed. Um, that's what I think the benefit of an institution is. That does not, in, in our case, does not prevent phone calls to the president's office. Um, you know, I wish it did, but it doesn't. Um, but I, I do think it does alleviate some of that and streamlines um, the relationship with the institution. I think that's an excellent point. And just since you offered it, does your, your own opinion, you know, does your opinion be in higher ed differ at all? Is it different because you are a, a parent as well, you know, since you offered? <laughs> um, I, I love my job. So it's, a, it's important to me because I am happy to come to work every day. I, I love what I do. I love talking to parents. I love working with students. So that's really important to me personally. Um, I love to know that what I'm doing is helping a student, maybe indirectly, but it's helping a student and helping Penn State to be a better institution. So mm -hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I couldn't that. have said that any better, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. Is that your general? <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, yeah, Cindy was talking. I was thinking about all of those same things. I, uh, you know. Is it necessary for every institution to have one of us? No, no. I think, I think from an institutional perspective, um, institutions need to make the decision based on the resources that they have, and and the kind of relationship that they that they want to have with parents and families. Um, every institution is going to answer that differently. Um, but but what I think Cindy and I know from our work and in, in our interaction with other colleagues who do what we do. Uh, is is that we recognize the importance of of being able to have a, a place for parents and families to land, a place for them to go, a place that they that they always know that no matter what they can call this office, and someone is going to be there to listen to their concerns um, and, and to to try to offer some assistance to to their student, because um, really ultimately that's that's what we're here for. It's it's for. Right. Uh, because we're concerned about the success of all of our students um, and recognizing that that so much of, of the student support comes from the family. Um, and uh, you know, as I said earlier, I, I do worry about the families that, that we don't have an opportunity to connect with. Um, and I right. think some of those are parents of our first generation families. Mm -hmm. um, and, and from a lot of our um, uh, underrepresented students. Um, and their families. And so I, I, I think we need to do a better job of reaching out to them. But that's a, we could spend a whole nother uh, a session on that topic, I think. Most definitely, not a doubt. <laughs> I'm bookmarking you both. I'm, I'm giving you a save the date for future episodes that you're going to be back and talk about that conversation. <laughs> I joke, but I'm serious too, because you really do. You drive home such an important point, and that's true. I think of your your interactions with them and ours as well in admissions you know we're trying to do what we can to give that support but the same way that I have that you know those parents that call me and just need me to you know talk them through this is what it looks like to submit an application and this is what these different deadlines look like you know for every parent that does know to reach out to me I, I wonder how I can better serve those that don't reach out to me so I think we really right. do have just so so much to learn from each other um, as different resources for our students and families because even though I think in admissions it's easy to just think of the students that we're serving, we are just as much, you know, we are that place to land for them through any of these admissions questions too of just, you know, for either party and for counselors too, you know, I think um, it's so important to remember we have multiple constituencies within admissions that we need to be thinking about. And so everything that you're bringing up is really helpful to myself and hopefully other admissions folks that um, to think about how can I serve these populations better? How can I anticipate their needs better? Um, what are these qu questions I keep getting every year? Those questions better? How can I improve my access to others better? So um, making me think of a lot and hopefully a lot of reviewers as well. I'm sure you are based off of uh, kind of questions we're getting and everything else. Speaking of, no other questions coming through right now. So um, it might be it as far as from Twitter, but um, as we're kind of nearing the end of the hour, um, I kind of want to just take a little bit of the time to talk about um, 
maybe things that admission offices can do to whether they have an office like yours or not. We talked already about, you know, being aware of who your resources are and um, being aware of kind of the way that you, uh, that you have these conversations and facilitate these connections with families. But do you have any kind of recommendations of things admissions officers can do as far as, you know, um, specific outreach they can do to, to offices like yours or um, events that they should be attending or meetings that they should be um, setting up, you know, ways that we can like that really concrete things that for offices that maybe don't have an office like yours, things that they and those that do have offices like yours, you know, really intentional meetings or whatever that they could have with you so that this handoff in this conversation is better. I know that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one, I think one relatively easy solution might be to gather some folks around a table uh, who even both within admissions and outside of admissions, who touches parents? In one way or another, who at your institution has interaction with parents and families? Um, and, and bringing those folks to the table and talking about how, how, are, how are we doing? and How are you interacting with parents and families? And what are you hearing from them? And how are we meeting, meeting their needs? And how are we supporting students in our communication with parents and families? Um, I think starting there would, would be a big help because then you know what it is you're dealing with and, where, and you'll have a good starting point. Um, and I think there are some, also some good collaborative relationships that could come out of a meeting like that. Um, we, we used to have a group here that met on a regular basis of all the, all the folks in the different offices that, that connected with parents and families in one way or another were starting that back up because I found that to be a really great way, even, even for me, to know what colleagues were doing around campus. And sometimes they were hearing things that I, didn't, that I wasn't hearing about. Um, and so those were helpful things for me to know because mm -hmm. that might be something that we were able to address in an upcoming newsletter of, of um, reasons that they were getting phone calls and I wasn't. Um, how, might we, how might we be able to address some of those things? Yeah, I agree. Well, we're doing the same thing, Brian. We are starting up uh, re-energizing this campus-wide um, sort of parent and family working group, um, which I think is really important. Um, I think the other thing is for universities that don't have um, a parents program is to think about the next logical step of where the parents are going to interact with the university, and that typically is orientation. So developing a really good relationship with orientation is, is also really important. And, and I think that admissions and orientation can work together very closely in making sure that messaging, that you're reinforcing the same messages and um, that admissions officers are setting up the expectations um, for orientation to be successful, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I actually, it was something interesting happened. You keep bringing up these points and it's funny because it's very timely for me and for my office. Um, this year at orientation, we've always kind of gone to it just as supportive of it and to say hi to our families. I go because it's one of my favorite, next to, you know, graduation and admitted students day, it's one of my favorite days to be a part of because it's like, oh, they're here. I've been working with them all year and they're here. And I think even just being visible is such an important part of being part of orientation and saying hi and like, oh my gosh, aren't you excited? I'm excited for you. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Actually knowing the way orientation works and knowing what's going to be available to families and helping to prepare them for what that event looks like, especially since it sort of is this, this event that marks that really official handoff, I think in our eyes of, okay, Admissions, you're, you're kind of done with admissions now. You don't need us anymore. So here's everybody that you need to connect with down the road. So yeah, if you're an admission counselor, you're not going to orientation, you should really think think twice about that. You should really, for, for just the emotional side of it and the actual informational side of it, that's a really, really great point. Um, so I think we're really, we've really hit a lot of important points, um, but any, any, I don't know, any last thing that I haven't mentioned, anything I haven't asked either of you that you just want to leave us with before we say goodbye? Hmm? Uh, you know, I one thing that I talk to my campus partners about, um, a lot of campus partners have a negative um, view of working with parents. 
you know, they they think they're helicopter parents, and and I am working really hard to sort of reframe that conversation on campus and remind people that parents are doing what they're doing because they love, they care, and they have concern for their student. Mm -hmm. And that's I think that's the most important thing to remember. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah that's Sorry. excellent. And I, I there is some something that. Um, that Marge Savage at the University of Minnesota said, um, it, she, and I'll never forget this, she said, if we begin our work with parents by thinking that they're a problem, then they will be. Mm -hmm. um, and that has always stuck with me. That's um, a good point. So when that phone rings, I don't have the attitude of, oh, another parent. I, I, I even though it might have might be the fifth or sixth person who's calling that day and my own level of frustration is is getting up there i have to let all of that go and know that whatever reason they're calling that is the most important thing to them in that moment however misguided we might think that is it's very real and we need to recognize that and 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 try to work through that with that person. Um, but that, that, that quote has always stuck with me and I pass that along to as many people as I possibly can. Uh, because I think it really that. helps us to reframe our work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely right. That's a really great thought to, to always keep in mind when having these interactions with families. They want to be there for them. They, they, it's, out for a reason they're not reaching out just to say hello they're reaching out because they care and because we can help them and we want to help their students and help them navigate their day feeling a little bit better about their son or daughter whoever being on our campus and that we're taking good care of them excellent points thank you both i have learned so so much from this today and i hope our viewers have as well so thank you for being guests today Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Pleasure. And like I said, be prepared. You're coming back sometime down the road. We're going we're gonna to keep this conversation <laughs> going. Um, but so thank you once again. And thank you, as always, to our program sponsors, Chegg and M. Stoner. Uh, tune into Admissions Live on Monday, September 19th for NACAC 101, What to Know Before You Go, uh, with host Adam Castro and guests from the NACAC planning team. I'm heading out on recruitment travel, actually, so you won't see me in October, but you'll see Daniela Norton next month um, talking about interpreting enrollment metrics, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I will be back November 21st and looking, back to, looking forward to being back on.